Sometimes when uh, you talk to people about their soul or the Word of God or the Gospel of the Son of God, uh, I think a lot of times there are those who point people to the Gospel of John, and that's good. But the Gospel of John, as I studied through this Gospel and as I continue to do so and read and meditate therein, has a depth to it that we shall never be able to fully fathom. And the prologue to this gospel, the first chapter and verses 1 through 18, are filled with such glorious truths that we could never in a thousand lifetimes fully derive it. This passage that is before us, chapter 1 of John, verses 1 through 18, is so incredibly profound that we would place it with one of the most profound passages in all of Scripture. John chapter 1, first 18 verses. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me, and John saying that, although he was six months earlier in the flesh six months older than the Lord Jesus Christ bodily. And yet he says he was before me. And of his fullness have all we received and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. No man hath seen God at any time the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, 
he hath declared him. This passage goes beyond all the scope of human experience. It reveals what could never be learned by human investigation, no matter how much searching would take place. It is the greatest mystery that has ever been made known and revealed and would be impossible to be known and to lay hold of unless God himself made it known. It's an incredible passage. And yet, in its depths lay more than our capacity could ever contain. It's like standing on the shore, looking at the vast body of ocean, filling the sight. Or even more, I think about many years ago when on board ship, leaving New York Harbor, heading across the ocean, first to uh, uh, England, Northampton, England, then on to Bremerhaven, Germany, to be stationed there in the Army nine days on a merchant marine ship that took us across the ocean. I can remember day by day looking out over that ocean, nothing but water everywhere you looked, vast. And yet that was minute concerning the fullness of the oceans and what is in them. And... Uh, that's nothing compared to the depth of what we have in our passage here. More than our capacity could ever contain. This passage is more sublime, more profound than even the first chapter of Genesis. And that is sublime. And that is profound. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. John, of course, also begins in the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The first uh, book of the Hebrew Bible is called In the Beginning. But Moses brings us forward to the creation of the heavens and the earth. He proceeds to undertake to unfold all that proceeded from the beginning. John, on the other hand, he takes us beyond creation. He takes us into eternity. He comes from an upward rather than a downward consideration. John carries us beyond time. Before anything was created, before there was any physical substance in this universe, to the personal word of God, uncreated, eternal, through whom God brought all created things into existence. And nothing was made that he didn't make. Time. Creatures came into being. 
But when they came into being, the Word, the one who is referred to as the Word in our passage, was. He was there. For he has no beginning. He's the beginner. He is the beginning of the creation of God as the Alpha. He is the beginner. No language, no form of speech, not a million volumes could ever say more than this or could set forth absolute being uncreated outside the limits of time than this most simple and profound statement in the beginning was the word. We should and shall continue with all of our human limitation and our dependence upon God himself who only can really open our hearts to this passage to consider the word first in relationship to God and then secondly in relationship to creation the word in relationship to God. John opens his gospel as God the Holy Spirit moved him so to do. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Well, what John is doing for us in these first 18 verses, the prologue, of his gospel. He is showing us how God makes himself known. He's showing us how apart from what we read here, we could never come to know the living and true God. When a man speaks, if he's in his right mind, many aren't it seems today, but if a man's in his right mind, then he's sounding forth that which he thinks, what he knows. He expresses himself by his word. Of course, language is an incredible thing. Words, as many understand, are very important. But John makes it very clear that he's not speaking of God articulating, articulating words. He's speaking of God's own self-revelation, the way he is made known, expressing or revealing himself in a person that we read of in verse 14 was made flesh. The word was made flesh. And dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory. As of the only begotten of the father. Full of grace and truth. This goes. Infinitely beyond. Saying that the Lord Jesus. The one who is meant by the word. In our passage. Simply speaks the word of God. It is telling us that he is the word of God. 
He is the revelation of God. He is not simply the revealer of God. He is that. He is personally in his person the revelation of God. God making himself known in this one whose name is the word. In Hebrews chapter 1, Hebrews opens God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son. The Greek declares that God who spoke through the prophets now speaks in finality and fully by the Son. But it's interesting if you would go to a literal translation as Barry's interlinear that it would literally read spoke to us in Son. That doesn't sound to us like the kind of language we would use. But what is said there is that the Son is God's speaking. That He is the Word of God. By the Word does not simply mean that the Lord Jesus Christ says things that are true or says the Word of God. It means he is the word of the living God. The personal revelation of God. As a matter of fact, of the names of the Lord Jesus Christ. Of course, at this time of year we hear about his names or name. Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. We could go through myriads of names. One of the names of the Lord Jesus Christ is the word of God. When he comes in glory, we learn in Revelation chapter 19, verse 13, that he has a name written that no man knows but he himself. That is, we can't go but so far in knowing him. And his name is called the Word of God. That's a name that's given to him. In Revelation chapter 19, John the Apostle is showing that he who is the Word was so before anything was in existence, before creation. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. The beginning here is referring to the same beginning as in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And as in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, the sense or meaning signifies, of course, from the beginning of creation, the beginning of history, from the origin of the universe, from the creation of all things. Not only was the Lord Jesus Christ in the beginning, but as the passage goes on to say, he's the beginner. He's the beginner. As in verse 3, all things were made by him. 
and without him was not anything made that was made. He, in that sense, is the one who brings creation into being. He is the Alpha and the Omega of creation. He brings it into being. He consummates the purpose of God in it. In order for creation to have its origin in him, he, of course, would have to have already been. And he was. As the Apostle Paul in Colossians makes very clearly known, he is before all things. And by him all things consist. That's Colossians 1.17. That is, he is before time. That means he's eternity. Time is a relationship to creation. He comes from eternity. Of course, in 1 John chapter 1, verse 2, as we've learned in our study of 1 John, he is that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. A very familiar verse at this time of scripture in Micah chapter 5 verse 2 thou Bethlehem though thou be little among the thousands of Judah yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me who is to be ruler in Israel whose goings forth have been from of old from everlasting the strongest Hebrew word there is translated that means eternal the word was and there never was a time when the word was not and there's nothing whatsoever that's not dependent upon him for its existence nothing can exist apart from him when the word was made flesh he still upheld the universe i don't begin to comprehend nor you the wondrousness of this. When he came in human flesh, he was still in the Father's bosom, as we learn, of course, in our passage. There are depths that we can never fully plumb concerning his glorious person. He is Alpha and Omega, the beginning. And the ending, saith the Lord, which is, and which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. He is Jehovah of hosts. Might be good to note here the difference in the purposes and time marks in John's gospel and in his first epistle, which we are currently studying on Wednesday evening. John's gospel, of course, is for the purpose of showing the godhood of the one who is made flesh. So he begins with the one who was already there and brought creation itself into existence. While John's first epistle shows the very humanity of the one who in his person was God and man actual human nature brought into union with his eternal deity. And whosoever shall confess that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is born of God. Whoever denies that, no, they're in darkness and blindness. 
John chapter 1, verse 1, goes to the absolute beginning of creation and the one who was there and brought it into existence, while 1 John chapter 1 represents the beginning of the Christian era in Christ, incarnate. And John, in the beginning, was the word in 1 John from the beginning, which is signifying the incarnation and the reason why Christ came. From the absolute and the eternal existence of the word, John now goes on to declare the implication of this in the strongest of terms. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Though we may here rightly understand that there are personal distinctions in the Godhead, as we know from Scripture, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God in three persons. One divine nature, but in a distinction of persons. But the main purpose of John is the identification of the one who is called the Word. And two things here are brought out in order to show one thing, unmistakably. There is the closest possible relationship between the Word and God. The Word was with God. Now that's made known, and it is so in the Greek, a relationship of perfect equality. As A.T. Robertson on Prostontrion was with God. Our translation, pros with the accusative, presents a plane of equality and intimacy, face to face with each other. Face to face with each other. John tells us no man has seen God, but the one who is called the Word is face to face with God. Equal. Are familiar with John chapter 6, verses 44 and following? No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. Every man, therefore, that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. Not that any man hath seen the Father, save he which is of God. He hath seen the Father. The Lord Jesus, in Matthew chapter 11, verse 27, we learn, says, All things are delivered unto him of the Father. No man knows the Son but the Father. No man knows the Father but the Son. And he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. 
and then the high point is reached. For no man can have perfect equality with God except God. Only God has perfect equality with God. So that though the word is distinct, the word was God. John is not simply saying that he was with God alone or only. There is no separation, though distinction of persons. The word was God. The Word was God. And John is not simply saying that there is something divine about the Word. But he gives the strongest affirmation. The Word was God. Nothing less will do for our understanding and our faith but to know that the Word is God absolutely. We know that the Lord Jesus Christ bears the same divine nature with the Father. And so the Holy Spirit. But again, this passage is identifying the Word. At important junctures, we know in John's Gospel, he asserts that Jesus is God. Pre-incarnate, so. In the beginning, was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God, as incarnate. No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. He's revealed in him. We know that various places in John, distinctly the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ is brought out. You think of John chapter 5. And the man at the pool of Bethesda, the man who was 38 years lame, and the Lord Jesus healed him, and he did so on the Sabbath day. And the Pharisees and the scribes got all upset, not taking note that a wondrous miracle of divine grace had taken place. But because he'd done it on the Sabbath day, and the Lord Jesus said, My Father worketh hitherto, and I work. Now, that signifies, it goes on, you can see that in the context, that the Lord Jesus is not saying, I do the kind of work my Father does. No, he was saying, I and my Father do the same work. When I work, the Father is working. When the Father is working, I am working. My Father. Therefore, the Jews took up stones to cast at him because he not only said that God was his... Uh, he, uh, what about this? John 5, 18. In John chapter 5 and verse 18. <clears throat> Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him, because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his Father, making himself equal with God. They understood exactly what he was saying. Just as in the other place where they took up stones to stone him, he says, I and my Father are one. In John chapter 10 and verse 30. Even after he rose from the dead bodily, and when on that second 
evening that he met with his apostles. Thomas not being present the first time. And the Lord Jesus says to him, Behold my hands and my feet. Invites him to put his hands into his hands and his feet where the scars were. We know that Thomas knew and understood fully who he was and makes his great confession. My Lord and my God. The Lord Jesus didn't say, No, Thomas, that's not right. No, matter of fact, he confirmed it. Because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen me and yet have believed. If any truth is so clearly made known in Scripture, it is the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Godhood of the Lord Jesus, who brought human nature into union with his eternal deity. His person is more glorious than we can comprehend. Then in verse 2 of John's Gospel, as to leave no doubt whatsoever except to obstinate unbelief, John re-emphasizes the eternity of the word and his perfect equality and unity with God, as we know, the Father. The same was in the beginning with God. And so, having considered the word in relationship to God, we consider the word in relationship to creation. In verse 3, all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Here is the one who brought everything into existence. Here is the creator of all. God creates everything, and he is the creator. By him were all things created, which are in heaven and which are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Without him, nothing exists. You exist because of him. I exist because of him. And if by God's wondrous grace he's brought you through a convicting work of his spirit to behold the wonders of the cross, that this one who was without sin died in the place of sinners and God raised him from the dead and you've come to know him and trust him and be given to him and belong to him. How wondrous that is. That's his doing. That's his doing. Your salvation is just as matter a work of creation as was the first creation. You are in Christ. You are a new creation. As in 2 Corinthians 5.17. That means he did it all. There was nothing before he brought it into existence. There was no salvation. There was only deadness until he brought life to the dead sinner. Dead in trespasses and sins. It's all a sovereign work of the sovereign Christ. From the smallest atom 
to the limits of the universe and everything that's in it, to things that we see, things we cannot see, to things that are physical, to things in the realm of the spiritual, to man and angels. He brought all things into existence and he sustains it all. Again in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. In that passage is shown that he not only created the physical universe, but in the Greek, he created time. He's over all of time. He is the Lord of time. The Lord of all. Of all creation expresses that in one of the hymns we sing. What is that, what is that hymn? God of the ages. God of the ages. Let's sing that at, at uh, the end of this message. Good. God of the ages. When God breathed into man the breath of life, that was the image of God. Man was created in the image of God. In Colossians 1, the Lord Jesus Christ is called the image of the invisible God. That is, God is made known in him. The one incarnate we know as Jesus, who is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Man was created in his image. In Christ's image. Not as we now know, but the gloriousness of that which we cannot comprehend. The self-communication of God. That's a big word. That's a big thing to consider. The self-revelation of God. Through the personal word comes first in creation itself. When in Genesis 1, over and over again we read... And God said, you remember? God said, let there be light. God said, let uh, the water appear, the earth appear. God said, let it bring forth, etc. Are we to simply understand that as verbalized words? It is by the word that God created all things. Our Lord is always in all the ways God is made known at all times, past, present, future. The one through whom all things are created. The one by whom all things exist. The one who brings it all into existence the one who shall consummate its purpose. 
who says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. Thus the incarnate Lord of glory, who's over all, God blessed forever. That's Paul's language in Romans chapter 9. Referring to the Lord Jesus Christ, who's over all, God blessed forever. He unmistakably declared his preexistence. He declared his equality with the Father. He declared his own essential deity. You remember in John 8, they took up stones to cast at him? The Lord Jesus Christ says to them, before Abraham was, I am. In the name of God, how holy. When God says, I am, in Exodus chapter 3, that's the Lord Jesus. That's the one who became incarnate. I am that I am. It signifies existence, self-existence, eternal existence, unchangeable existence. I am. And that's why the Jews thought it blasphemy when the Lord Jesus says before, Abraham was, I am. They knew exactly what he was saying. They knew exactly what he was declaring himself to be. I am. They would stone him often because they understood fully more than some so-called professing Christians. He says, I and my Father are one. In John chapter 10, verse 30, the Father, the Son, have the same divine nature. He can declare, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. It's he who came the light into the darkness of a fallen creation. And the way he did so is incredible. The way he came into this world no human father to marry that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. The light came into this world. The only light that can illumine to salvation and life and eternal life. The only light that can make God known because God is made known in him. He came the light into the darkness of a fallen creation which we must of course another time expound because we don't have the time to do that today he alone the revealer of God to us because he is the revelation of God he is God revealed to us he is the word of the father 
He is the Word of God. And only through Him are sinners reconciled to God. No one, the Lord Jesus says, comes to the Father except by Him. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father except by Him. That's why I can say to Philip, when Philip says to him in John 14, when in that upper chamber, when just a few hours away from the cross, when Philip says to him, show us the Father and we'll be satisfied, the Lord Jesus looks at him. Can you imagine looking at him in the eyes? And he says, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. How sayest thou then, show us the Father? What we have considered is of the greatest possible content. And it should be to you and me to the greatest spiritual benefit and profit. Christ is salvation. That salvation would not be brought by overpowering divine sovereignty, but an operation of the divine sovereignty in the most incredible way. By he who is in the form of God, taking upon himself human nature, the form of a servant, making himself of no reputation, becoming obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He is salvation. From eternity. He is God. One with the Father. One with the Spirit. He is God revealing himself in human flesh. He is salvation. Those to whom God speaks, he speaks to them in his Son. And like John the Apostle in this prologue, the glory of God is beheld in him, in the Lord Jesus Christ personally. We can declare that which is true, he who came, he who is true, he who came to unite sinners to himself in salvation. He of whom we read tells one in John chapter 3, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Who can say to him, he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Who can say, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. He who can say, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, 
and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. He is all we need for salvation. He is everything we need for salvation. He has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. He is the life. He is the light. He is the bread. He is the water. Have you stooped down to drink into him? To trust him? To give up all thought of anything you could ever do to gain your salvation? And trust him only? Then you'll come to say, Thou, O Christ, art all I want. More than all in thee I find.